You know, one of the things I've loved uh, as we've walked through this series called New Life is, is just seeing the new life that's taking place in people's lives as they give testimony of how God has worked, really just sometimes miracles in their life. You know, God's just moving in, in the lives of people and lives are being transformed. And, and, and I love hearing these video testimonies of, uh, of people that are part of our faith family here and just being transparent about how they've gone through struggles and whatnot. And it's just good to hear that, that God is at work and God is moving and what's here this morning. Also, what a remarkable uh, week we've had. Uh, and I'm, I'm specifically talking about what happened here on Wednesday night. And uh, many of you were a part of our, our fall festival and our trunk or treat. And I know some of you are serving in, in really uh, amazing ways, but I don't think we were expecting, I know we weren't expecting uh, the crowd that came out. And so uh, as we just see all people just pour into the facility here and to the, the, the property and, uh, and, and just sort of being overwhelmed by the crowd, our volunteers and our workers that were just serving so faithfully. Uh, at one time, I thought our, our volunteers were just gonna run for their life. You know, there were just so many people. But, but we had upwards of over 2,000 people here that showed up uh, from our community. And so our church had an opportunity to just minister to our community in ways that, that we could really only imagine. And, and during that time, I thought this was really interesting. I had a young lady who came to me and she, she said, would it be okay if I come on Sundays as well? And I said, would it be okay anytime, please come, be a part of, of what's happening here. And she said, I wanna be a part of what's happening here. And so thank you, Cross Point Church, for, for just ministering to our community, the community in which we live. And thank God, let's thank Jesus this morning for just the great things that he's doing in our life and in our midst. I, I, I tell you, I was really proud of our student ministry. Uh, I, I know a lot of our youth and our college were a major part of, uh, of just serving. A lot of our life groups also were a part. They came out and served collectively together. It was a wonderful time. Uh, I, I know after, the, after it gotten dark and the crowds were all gone, I looked around and I saw students picking up trash and cleaning up and helping set everything back up. And I was just so impressed by our, our student ministry. And, and so I just wanna say, amen, thank them for, what, uh, for being, a, being a part of the church. I think, I think so often the idea with, uh, with, with older people is that the younger people are the future of the church. And what we come to realize is, no, they are the church, right? And so I'm just thankful that they are the hands and feet of Christ Jesus and, uh, and, uh, and help us old folks get through it, okay? So um, we're thankful for our young people, amen? And so, all right, well, let's dive into the message here this morning. Uh, we are just uh, today and next week away from taking a break out of Ephesians. We will have walked through, uh, through three chapters of Ephesians. Uh, let me just tell you what we're gonna do after this series. We're gonna... We're gonna launch into a new series called Seasons. And so that'll be a three-week uh, series. And it's talking about not the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, but the seasons that we walk through in our life. And, and many of us have some very difficult seasons that we have to endure and press through. And, and sometimes there's great seasons in our life. And so we're gonna be talking about that for three weeks and then we'll move into December. Can you believe December is just around the corner? And uh, we'll move into December and celebrate that Christmas season and the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's kind of what's coming up uh, this year and the rest of this year. But today we're gonna dive into Ephesians chapter three and kind of pick up where we left off. And you know, we, last week we talked a lot about we were starting a, a new chapter, uh, which is the same letter we've been walking through. 
But we also recognize how the Apostle Paul, as he's writing this letter, it's, it's almost like he got to chapter three and decided to give us another introduction. You know, and so he's kind of I, Paul, the Apostle Paul, you know, and he, he just went into this time of, of talking about, and we looked at this last week, the mystery of Christ. And so he, he, he sort of throws this thing out there, this mystery of Christ, the mystery, and he, he, he's talking about a mystery uh, that has been with, uh, with, with uh, children of God and, and, and the people of God and with God himself for, for ages. But, but Paul is revealing that, that the mystery of Christ is really beginning to sort of unfold or be revealed, and he went into that, we, or we went into that last week, but today we're gonna to continue that because it's really a continuation. And as we, uh, as we dive into this text, it's important for us to remember that what we did talk about last week was that because of Christ Jesus in our life, that we as, 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 uh, as children of God, we have been made fellow heirs, um, both Gentile and Jews coming together, being made fellow heirs, members of the same body, and even partakers together in the promises of Christ Jesus. And so that's sort of the, the foundation of what we're gonna be talking about today as we talk about making God known. And so he's gonna begin to make this shift, Paul is, as he talked about the mystery of Christ, he's gonna sort of shift to talking about the purpose that we have as the body or as the church to make God known and to ultimately glorify him because of who he is. And so that's what we're gonna be looking at today. I wanna to invite you this morning, if you will, to stand with me as we honor God together. Uh, I think it's important that we honor God through the reading and preaching of his word. This is his word and it's his authority and that we, that we study together. And so today we're, we're just uh, standing in honor of God and, uh, and, and, and just a, in a spirit of worship to continue to read through his word and then to pray together as a faith family. So let's read this passage together. And again, we're gonna be talking about making God known. Ephesians chapter three, verses seven through 13. Read this with me if you will. So the word of God says, of this gospel, and this is Paul writing, he says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray together this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for your presence in this place. And Lord, as we have come together and gathered together as a, as a body, as children of God, whom you have brought together for a, a very unique purpose in this community and around the world, God, we celebrate that truth. We celebrate the reality that, that God, you wanna do something spectacular in our lives, our hearts. You want to do something amazing in our midst, and God, you wanna do something 
uh, through this body, this body of believers. Uh, and so, Father, that's just something that is exciting to us and something that we celebrate. And we thank you, Lord, for your, your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for us, who, who, who makes it possible that, God, we would spend an eternity worshiping you. And so, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells within our hearts. And we thank you for this time together where we can study your word together, God, today. We, we, we know that you've given us your word, that it may, uh, God, just help us to know who we are and to know who you are and how we relate even to the world. And so, Father, we pray that you go before us. God, may you be glorified in the reading and the preaching of your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated here this morning. We're going to dive off uh, into this text. And, and what we recognize right away is that the Apostle Paul, he, uh, he starts off this morning with a bit of testimony. And I love that. You know, last week we looked at how he, he launched into sort of this this new introduction. It's as though he stopped and he thought, you know, I need to make sure they know who I am. And so he sort of introduced himself again. But in this text that we're looking at, the second part of what we, we started last week, he makes a bit of a shift. And he goes immediately into just a glimpse of his testimony. Now, it, obviously, it's not his entire testimony. We'd have to read the book of Acts. We'd have to read all of his writings. We'd have to read the gospels. We'd just have to see you know, so much, we'd have to read so much to just know everything that he's sort of presenting to us in way of a testimony. But what he does do is he presents to us a bit of his testimony as it relates to his calling to ministry. And so this is how he starts off this text today. He's gonna bring this, this truth to us. And I, I love a good testimony. I, I love the fact, like I said earlier, where uh, throughout this series, we've been doing uh, these video testimonies. Uh, the, the fact that JT, our, our, our director of media, he, he just does such an incredible job of capturing the story, and I just love that. I love his ministry, and I love what he uh, does for this church and how he just, he just has this incredible gift to be able to, to, to bring stories to us on Sunday morning through, through media. And so we've had this amazing opportunity to, to hear the testimony Testimonies of so many people, but but when people come and they give a, a a testimony, when they open up their hearts and their their minds and they they just sort of open up themselves to whoever's listening, it, it, it's as though they're just offering to us a glimpse of how God is working in their life. And so here, the Apostle Paul, as he opens up with this testimony, he gives us a glimpse into this calling that he has on his life, this calling to, as a minister of the gospel, this calling as a preacher of the gospel. And he, he lets us know that God has established for him a certain path or pathway for him to travel and to live out the remainder of his life uh, as a co-laborer of the gospel. So if we look here in the text, we see in verse seven where he starts off and he says, of this gospel, and I think that's important because what he's doing is he's, he's recognizing or he's helping us to recognize that he has been talking for the last two chapters and a, a bit of the third, he, he's been talking a lot about the gospel of Christ Jesus as it relates to who we are, and he's talking a lot about our identity in Christ Jesus. We are no longer who we used to be, but because of what Christ has done in our heart, we are now a new creation, and so we have this new identity in Christ Jesus. And so this is the gospel that he's talking about. He's talking about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus 
And he says, I have been, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. And so he recognizes right away. He says, this isn't my own giftedness that is, is, is something I have achieved on my own effort. This is by God's grace that I have been given the gift to go out and carry the gospel message to the world that God would call me to, to be able to do this. And so he says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. And then in verse eight, he says this, he says, to me, Though I am the very least of all saints, and I think that's Paul's way of, of, of just sort of approaching this with humility, and I think that's genuine. He's not after stature. He's not after position. He's not looking to elevate himself. But he says, he says here in verse eight, he says, to me, though I am the least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach. And so he's establishing for us that God has done something significant in his life. He's, he's no doubt transformed his life. He's changed his life, but he's called him to be a minister of the gospel and to preach the gospel unto the world. And so this becomes very important for us to understand uh, because I believe, you know, one of the things that's so remarkable about this is that Paul is revealing to us that it wasn't Paul who established this path for his life. It was the sovereign work of God in his life. And so he's, he's letting us know that God has sort of set him on this path. It's not his education. It's not his stature. It's not his status or his position. But he is pointing out the reality that God is at work in his life. And he's put him on this path that he would go out and share the gospel. And as we looked at last week, he's talking about how the gospel brings both Jew and Gentile, people who are radically different from one another, who are ethnically, they're radically different, culturally they're different, you know, in, in, in just every way you could imagine. In fact, they don't even like each other, but yet through Christ Jesus, he is bringing both Gentile and Jew together for the sake of God's glory and Paul says, I have been given this amazing privilege to go out and preach to even the Gentiles that they would come to know Christ Jesus. And so he's, he's helping us understand this. And I think it's important because it helps us also understand and even recognize how God is laying our path for our future to bring glory to God, to serve him, to, to be a part of his kingdom work. And so he, he is laying this out. He's challenging us in just his reading of his testimony, even though it's just a glimpse that, that God has established for us a path as well. And whatever that path is, that we can use that life of ours to, to bring glory to God. I love what Romans 8, 28 says. It says this. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And so this is exactly what Paul is talking about. He's talking about living out this calling as a believer and a follower of Christ Jesus according to what? Not his own purpose, but the purpose of God in his life. And so he gives praise to God. He gives glory to God. He says, this is all about what God is doing in my life. And so he's talked about this mystery, this mystery of Christ, and that how people who are very much ethnically divided will be brought together through Christ Jesus. They will be fellow heirs, one body, partakers in God's grace together. And he says, he says I've been given this calling to take my life to the Gentiles. And so what is so significant about this 
is that the Apostle Paul is including all people on this planet. That's very important for us to understand. And I think this is where he's gonna take us as we continue to read through this. He's, he, he's talking about just something really remarkable that the gospel is no longer just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles as well. And I love this because Paul's story sets an example for us. We look at Paul's life, we hear his testimony, and, it, it, and it, it's an example for us. But what I also like about it is it's challenging to us, isn't it? To think about, to see Paul who says, you know what, I'm gonna set aside any cultural differences that exist. I'm gonna set aside any racial barriers that exist. I'm gonna set aside any, any sort of issue that may divide people and I'm gonna just go out there and I'm not gonna look at skin color. I'm not gonna look at where you're from. I'm not gonna look at how much money you have. I'm not gonna look at you know, where you're at on a, uh, you know, on a social scale. I'm just gonna go out there and I'm gonna share the gospel because God has called me to share the gospel and I'm gonna do this with all people. And I don't know about you, but that really challenges me. That really challenges me to make sure, to kind of keep myself in check that this is what I as well am doing with my life as we think about this and we look at this and all that Paul is trying to teach us. And so he says here in verse eight, he says, to me, though I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, preach what? the unsearchable riches of Christ. He wants them to know everything there is to know about Jesus. He wants them to understand the hope that is found in Christ. He wants them to understand the salvation that's found in Christ. He wants them to understand the blessings that come with Christ. He wants them to understand the unsearchable riches, the treasure that Jesus Christ himself truly is. And so he wants them to understand this and he wants them to see this and he says, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring that light to everyone. And so I looked at this and I, I started thinking about this and I, I wrote this question down for myself and I wanna just sort of offer it to you this morning. But the question I wrote down for my own sort of personal challenge was this. How is God calling you to carry out the purpose you were created for? I want you to think about that for just a moment. How is God calling you to carry out your life the way he has created you for? Or better yet, how is God calling you to carry out your life for what he saved you for? And so here we see where Paul is presenting these truths and he's saying, you have a purpose that is probably more grand than anything you've ever thought about. You have a purpose through salvation, through the redemption of Christ Jesus. You have a, a, a calling that has been placed, a purpose that has been placed on your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ that goes beyond maybe anything you've ever thought about. And he's gonna challenge us to even look beyond everything that we can see as we continue to read through this text. 
You see, what Paul's gonna do is he's gonna take everything we know about Christianity, he's gonna take everything we know about our salvation, everything we know about our purpose in life, everything we know about the calling that we have been given, everything that we know about not only our lives as individuals, but collectively as a church, and he's gonna present to us a deeper level of understanding. He's gonna expose to us not only the mystery of Christ that God is bringing Jew and Gentile together, but he's gonna say, you know what? Here's the impact that it has on the world world and not only on the world but he's going to take us to a place even further than that and so this is what Paul's doing as he's writing to the Ephesians and he's no doubt going to challenge us as he challenged the Ephesians those that were living in Ephesus so that was Paul's testimony he sort of starts off with that but what else is he showing us here let's look at this so Paul says we were created for a purpose to carry the gospel to all people that we don't need to leave anyone out. But look closely at what Paul says next. In verse 10, Paul says this. He says, so that, now anytime you see those two words together, so that, he's, 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 he's wanting to remind us that everything he has said prior to what he's about to say, all this hinges on that, right? And so in in in. Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter two, he's talked about this new identity that we have in Christ Jesus, that we have been bought with a price, that we are not our own, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And he's, he's laid all that out. He's exposed that to us already. And now he's talking about something that's probably gonna cause a lot of people in their day and in their culture to push back. He's talking about bringing Jews and Gentiles together. These people groups that have always been at odds with each other and quite honestly are comfortable with it staying that way. And so Paul's gonna say, listen, everything that I've talked about, all this, this gospel talk that I've given you, all this conversation we've had about this new identity in Christ Jesus, everything that I've already given you, everything that you've learned, everything that you know about Jesus Christ, we're gonna bring that and all of that is going to sort of now hinge on what I'm about to tell you. So he says this, he says, he says so that, he says so that through the church, look at this with me, verse 10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. So he's saying, he's saying the wisdom of God, that is that God is all wise, that he is all powerful, he is all present, he is all everything, but he is wise beyond anything we could even imagine is wise. And so he said the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to who? Not just to the world, not just to our neighbor, not just those that are living in our community. That's the way we've always understood the, the Great Commission, right? We, we as disciples are called to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're, we as, as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, we are called to do what? To be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? The ends of the earth. And so we know that. We know that as disciples, we're called to go out and make an impact on the world. But my friends, that's the visible part of our whole existence. Paul's talking about something that goes beyond what we can even see. Paul says this. Paul says, as he's writing to the Ephesians, the truth of God's word revealing to us that so that through the church, in other words, God is using the church, God's using the body of Christ, he's using the children of God 
that they would go out and the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to who? The rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. He's talking about somebody besides just simply human. He's talking about the spiritual realm and the spiritual beings that exist in God's world. That that we cannot see. And so he's taking us to a place that that I hope and my prayer is, that, and I, I'm certain it was Paul's prayer that, that it's gonna stretch our, our, our thinking, it's gonna stretch our understanding, it's gonna really challenge us to think beyond anything that we've ever maybe even thought about concerning Christianity. And so he's gonna take us to this place. And what Paul is saying is, he, he is very profound, it's extremely profound as he presents to us that, that when God gathers us together, he gathers us together that we would know him more, that we would worship him together, that we would gather to scatter, to go out, that is, and to take the gospel message. But he says that there are others who are taking note of what is happening in the life of the church. He says the wisdom of God may be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. So where? What is it that he's talking about? It's not earth. And it just seems kind of weird to us, doesn't it? But this phrase, rulers and authorities of the heavenly places, this isn't the only place we see this in the scripture. In fact, we see it all through the scripture. We see it in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter one. We see it here in Ephesians chapter three. We see it in Ephesians uh, chapter six. We even go to 1 Corinthians and we see it there in 1 Corinthians. And so, uh, and we see it in Colossians verses, uh, chapter one, verse 16. We see this in a lot of different places, but Paul is, is talking about the entire angelical realm of the spiritual world. And so he brings to us this truth that is very powerful. It's as if Paul is saying, and he's saying, listen, something really transformative happens when God does what God does best, when, when, when he presented to us Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and through Christ Jesus, by God's grace, we are saved. This redemptive work that happens in our hearts where we, we, we come to this saving understanding of Christ Jesus, that God does something remarkable through Christ as far as human beings being saved, you know, people getting saved and their lives being transformed. And then he says this, but he says, when God begins to bring people together that are radically different than each other, something begins to happen. Something begins to take place. Something amazing begins to happen because the, the word of God is teaching us that when people come together and they drop their ethnic hostility toward one another, when people come together and they're no longer at odds with each other, but instead they love each other and they care for one another, when people come together that would normally be radically opposed to one another and even hate each other, but now they love each other, something begins to happen. He says, when this dynamic transformation is made known he says, even the angelic realm begins to take notice. You see, here's what we understand. The scriptures are very clear that even angels are watching the church. 
In fact, for, uh, Peter mentions this in 1 Peter 1.12. He talks about the gospel, and then he, he talks about the fact that angels are watching uh, when he says this. He says, in things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things unto which angels long to look at. So Peter says, here's what's happening. When people's lives are getting changed, when the power of God is working in people's hearts and people are surrendering to the power and the blood of Christ Jesus, that the, even the angels are celebrating that truth in heaven. They're watching, they're seeing something unfold that is just amazing to them and they're celebrating. Even Jesus says when a sinner repents and gives his life to Christ, the angels rejoice. Amen? Even the angels rejoice. And so Paul is saying here, he's saying, you need to recognize that, that you are a part of something much bigger than yourself. You're even a part of something that goes beyond maybe even your scope of understanding. And the purpose in him telling us this is not just to simply present to us a bit of truth about our Christianity or our spirituality, but the reason he is presenting this to us, one of the reasons he is helping us to understand is that, that we might wrap our minds around just how awesome God is and how powerful this thing is called Christianity that we as children of God are a part of. It truly is remarkable. And there truly is something that has taken place when we see this. You see, the reality is Jesus didn't die for angels. He died for human, human, uh, humankind. He died for people. He didn't die for angels. But one of the most remarkable things that we have in Scripture is that when people are getting saved, angels are taking note. And that has a purpose to it. You see, they're, they're worshiping God. They're, they're praising God. They're bringing holy. I mean, they're singing holy, holy, holy to God. They're, they're watching. And so what the scriptures are revealing to us is that when, when lives are transformed, when, when people who are just radically opposed to one another are brought together and the hostility between them is eliminated and they come together and it's a beautiful thing where people who are so much different from one another are coming together for such a, something so beautiful that even the heavens rejoice. They rejoice. And it's powerful. And he's revealing all of this to us. He, he's saying, he's saying to us, just how important it is that people who are just so completely different from one another can be brought together through the power of Christ Jesus. I love what Ed Stetzer once said. Ed Stetzer is one of the leading missiologists in our world today. He once said this. He says, people like the idea of diversity. They just don't like being around different people. Think about what he's saying there. He says, we, you know, it, diversity is such a trendy word these days, isn't it? I mean, everybody's talking about, we gotta be more diverse, we gotta be. And I, and I know why, I understand it, I get it, because, because we're living in a world today that just seems so, so at odds with one another. Our country just seems so divided these days, doesn't it? It's just, it just seems, I mean, we just look around, it just seems like we're falling apart, that we're, 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 just, we're just splitting up and we're just going our separate ways and it's just, it's just mad chaos in our world today, right? But in the church, there's a lot of talk about diversity. 
And I think that's a, a good thing to talk about because the scriptures no doubt point to diversity. And this is exactly what Paul is talking about when he re reveals to us the mystery of Christ, talking about Jews coming together with Gentiles, these two groups that radically oppose one another, but by the blood and the grace of God, blood of Christ and the grace of God and, and, the, and, the, and the power of, of Christ in our life that we are able to not only just come together, but to thrive together and to live together in the harmony that comes with knowing Jesus Christ. And so it's no doubt we shouldn't be talking about it, but it's just such a, a trendy word. But the reality is in our culture today, people just don't like hanging out with people that aren't like them. And that's what we see. So often, that's what we see. And as the church, we can't be that, can we? In fact, I think that's why God's word is challenging us to remember that we can't be like that. I praise God for the diversity that's in this church. I praise God for it. You just need to know where I stand on that. I, I'm thankful for racial diversity. I'm thankful for cultural diversity. I'm thankful for ethnic diversity in our church. I'm thankful for diversity in our church because it is the gospel. It's the gospel. How can we ever proclaim Christ Jesus and not desire it for our church? We can't. And that's the point that Paul's making. I love what Matthew Henry once said, talking about the angels looking on and the, the spiritual realm just taking notice of, of what is happening when this begins to happen in the, in the life of the church. He says, the holy angels who look unto the mystery of our redemption by Christ could not but take notice of this mystery that among the Gentiles is preached the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. And so the angels are watching, our community is watching, everybody's looking at the church. And so what are we defined by? A love that is greater than any hatred we may have for one another? Or do we continue to live radically opposed to anybody who's not like us? But I love this because Paul's saying, and he points to this unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. And it becomes so important that we understand exactly what it is that he's talking about. I believe one of the things that Paul is trying to do is just help us to see God in all of his glory and all of his splendor and the greatness that it is that he is, right? He's wanting us to see just how amazing he is, the riches of Christ, and recognizing that Jesus truly is our treasure and seeing it for more than we've ever seen it before, right? Growing up as a, as a kid, uh, most Saturdays during college football, we were in front of the TV watching the University of Georgia play football. I'm a Georgia fan. Most of you know it. Sorry, Gators. I'm just, you know, just saying. I wasn't going to say that. And then, and then somebody said, yes, you are. And I said, well, yeah, I probably will. So, uh, but anyway, go dogs, right? So anyway, uh, Ross, I think you're a Florida fan, aren't you? I just thought about that. I'm sorry, brother. I really am not sorry, but, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, I grew up watching the dogs and, and my dad had this weird sort of habit. He, he would do this, it was kind of weird and it kind of grew on me. I loved it actually, but he would turn the TV on so we could watch the game, 
but he would turn the volume down and we'd turn on the radio to listen to the game. And the reason was, and you older folks, you probably know what I'm talking about, but Larry Munson was the greatest of all time sports announcers in the whole entire world. And he would just, he would just get so excited about just talking about, you know, giving us the play-by-play action. So we would listen to Larry Munson give the play-by-play, but we would watch it on TV. And, and as a kid, that's what I grew up in. I just, I watched it and I became a Georgia fan and it just became something, you know, my dad being a graduate from there, we just, it was just always a part of our family. And so we just, we were, we were always watching this. And then one day when I was 15 years old, my dad came in. And he says, hey, uh, this weekend we're going to the game. We're gonna, I'm going to take you and we're going to go up to Athens and we're going we're gonna to go to a game. And, and I was excited. I mean, I, you know, I thought, you know, that would be, that'll be cool. But I had no idea what to really expect. And we get up there and right away I just begin to notice just the, the crowd. I mean, there's just such a frenzy. I mean, this wasn't something you get on TV, right? But the crowd was there and it was just, it was powerful. And it, it was just really amazing. And, 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 and you just were, you, you're just seeing something that you didn't see on, on national television every week. And then we walked into the stadium. I remember getting there and it's just packed with thousands upon thousands of people and it's and the, and the, the roar of the crowd was just in, incredible and and then the game starts and then the, I mean every time something happens a touchdown or something and the the crowd would just roar and the stadium would just shake and I mean it was just the most exhilarating thing I'd ever been to and and suddenly college football became so much more than I had ever known before. Before it was just TV and Larry Munson. Now it was just feeling the experience of it all and just living it out. It was, it was truly, truly amazing. And it changed the way I looked at college football forever. What I think is so powerful about what Paul is doing here to make his point that Jesus is our treasure. He's saying, you've always seen it in this way, but I wanna take you to a place. I wanna take you to a place where it becomes even bigger and more alive than you've ever known. And so he takes us down this road talking about the mystery of Christ. And he takes us down this road where as he's presenting the truth of God's word, suddenly our faith becomes more alive and suddenly our faith in Christ Jesus becomes more real and suddenly everything we've always known about Christ and our faith and, and what God's doing in our life, it just seems to make more sense and it, it just we, we, we just sort of come to this place where we begin to just long for the fullness of God in our life. My friends, my prayer for you this morning and my prayer for me this morning is that as we read God's word and we study this together and we see the writing of what God's word gives us, the truth that that just reveals to us the riches of Christ Jesus, that Jesus would become so much larger in your life. That he would become so much more real in your life. And that you would discover the riches, or as Paul says here, the unsearchable riches of Christ. What are these unsearchable riches of Christ? My goodness, there's so many. I I couldn't even begin to give them all to you, but here's just a few. One of those riches of Christ is that we are loved by God. Jeremiah 3, John 3, 16 We are loved by God. How many of you are thankful that we are loved by God? Amen. How many of you are thankful that that is something that is 
that is compiled into this group of unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus that we are loved by God. Here's another one. We are God's chosen people, Ephesians 1.4. We are saved by the blood of Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1.7. Our, our eternity is forever secure, John 10.28. We are the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12.13. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit where God himself dwells within our hearts. What powerful riches of Christ that we have in just knowing Jesus and I pray, I pray for all of us that today as we, as we hear the word of God, as we listen to the voice of God, as he moves in our heart, that we would be moved to a place of just knowing that God desires for us to know him even more than we know him today, that he desires to fill us with his spirit in ways that we could only imagine, that he would take us to a place where we are changed forever by his presence and his grace in our life. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And as I do, our band's going to come out and they're going to lead us in worship. And I pray that you would just search within your heart and ask yourself and ask God, God, would you move in my life in ways that I could understand the unsearchable riches of Christ? I pray this morning that every one of us would recognize that the world is not our treasure, but Jesus is our treasure. I love what Nick said earlier in the video when he said these words to us. He says, he says I realize that I'm loved, God, loved by God, not because I'm good, but because God is good. I pray that that truth would penetrate your heart because the reality is so many of us live our life every day trying to earn God's favor, don't we? Can I just say this to you this morning? You'll never be good enough. You'll never be good enough. I'll never be good enough. But God is good. Amen? We can't earn his love. He just freely gives it to us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us more than we could ever love ourselves. I pray that we walk out of this place today knowing and believing that God is a God who cares so deeply for us and he desires for us to know him more. Jesus Christ is our treasure.